we're about to put the home on the market. I put the for sale sign in the window. I do one last check of the plumbing and uh, I flush the toilet, man. And like feces starts coming up through the toilet and through oh the tub. So, You're listening to the Just Start Real Estate Podcast. If you're serious about your real estate investing business and need real answers, you are in the right place. And now, your host, Mike Simmons. All right, guys, thank you for joining me today. I'm excited to be here with you. I'm excited to talk to you, and I'm really excited for the episode that I have for you today. I've got someone on that I've been really looking forward to. He is in a niche, him and his wife, in real estate uh, that I think is just not talked about ever. Uh, and that's the uh, buying and selling of mobile homes, trailers and mobile homes. I've talked to folks and had them on the show who buy and sell mobile home parks, but as far as buying mobile homes themselves, not so much. And so I was really excited to have uh, Jay uh, Harvey on the show today. He's an investor. He has a consultant and education business where he talks about mobile home investing, and he's super passionate about helping people. It came through in the interview. He was very, very transparent and very forthcoming with not only some things that went on early in his you know, real estate um world or real estate career where things didn't go well in the traditional real estate model and some of the struggles that he had uh, just with him and his wife, just, you know, things that really tested them as an individuals uh, because there was some some hiccups and some bumps in the road. And and he talked about that, which is really, really cool. Uh, but he also talked about how he came out of the other side of that. And they have completed over 400 mobile home transactions. They know what they're talking about. And mobile home... Uh, uh, the mobile home industry in terms of buying and selling and, and they do some wholesaling, they talk about it. It's such a slower, it's a lower barrier to entry than maybe traditional real estate is, which is really, I think, attractive for a lot of folks who are trying to break in, but maybe don't want to take the the risk of the higher end stick built type houses. This is an option. It's a, it's a viable option. So uh, they have perfected their process and they help help people who are trying to get involved in this. And, uh, and they're just really, really smart folks who know what they're talking about. And I had a great time talking uh, to Jay. I wasn't able to speak to his wife there. About to have a baby, so totally understandable. Uh, but they're a great couple. You can find them on YouTube, and we'll talk about that in the episode of where you can find them. Uh, but without any further delay, guys, I want to get into this one. It was a lot of fun. I think you're going to really, really enjoy it. I give you Jay Harvey. All right, Jay, thank you for doing this, man. Thank you for agreeing to be on the show. I am excited for this one. Man, thank you for having me. I'm excited to uh, bring a ton of value to your audience. Good. This this is going to be an exciting one. Uh, when I you know saw when I found you and I, and I saw what you were doing, I I don't always book all my guests and I don't always like a hundred percent know exactly before they get booked who they are. But I you came across you came into my email box and I kind of looked into you and your wife and I was like, this is a cool story. This is a cool model. I've never talked to anybody who's going to talk about what you're talking about. And this is, I'm recording right now, number episode 446. And I've, I've talked to, and I don't want to, I don't want to give away what we're going to talk about, but I've talked to folks in your industry kind of, but they're buying the whole thing, right? Like I've never talked to anyone who's doing exactly what you're doing. So I am personally excited about this one. I knew this was coming, and I was the one who said, "This I want these guys on my show because this is something I want to talk about. So thanks for doing it again, man. Absolutely. Again, thank you for having me. Of course, of course. So uh, let's get started and, and talk about 
let's uh let's because we got some rate really cool real estate stuff to talk about but i want to dial back what were you doing before you started investing in in mobile homes or trailers i don't even know what you exactly would call i don't know what the term that you use if they're if i'm being slanderous to say trailer but i don't think so because i know the name of your company is trailer cash so probably not but what were you doing before that what were you and your wife up to before that yeah, man. So I was working at uh, American Express. I was a uh, financial analyst. Samara was a uh, CPA. And to be completely transparent with you, man, we just we hated our jobs, man. We hated our lives. And, you know, you're supposed to go to your job and see, you know, your your manager and your manager's manager to see what you're striving to become. And, you know, to be honest, we didn't want that. I know my manager for sure was just coming to the job, complaining about home, you know, watching yeah. the same TV shows. And he didn't really inspire me, neither did his manager. And I told Samara, you know, I don't want this. This isn't the life that I want. So uh, we made it our mission to, you know, uh, set up a lasting legacy for ourselves outside of our, our nine to five. So we tried a bunch of different things. We tried personal training, uh, selling the crazy rap thing with it works, you know, um, and, you know, nothing really stuck. We even tried photography and we just said, you know what, this isn't it. Luckily, Samara got an email one day from across, um, you know, she was at work actually. And it was a rich dad, poor dad event that came up and, um, we were like, Hmm, real estate, you know, I don't know much about it. However, we see on the HDTV, there's a lot of like couples that get involved with it. So yeah. we go there and, um, you know, we leave there really excited, we don't really know which strategy we want to get into, but we left excited and we got plugged right into the RIA out in Phoenix. And um, we meet a guy, we, uh, you know, end up networking with him. You know, he takes us under his wings and uh, this guy becomes like a father figure. So uh, long story short, we get into a deal that he presented presented to us and we hopped all in. We actually put $30,000 into this deal. And little did we know we didn't do our due diligence. Um, this property was actually being foreclosed on. Mm. So not only us, but he got about eight others, a little over $220,000 that he pretty much stole from a bunch of people. So um, out 30 grand on that deal. And right after that deal, not too long after that, we were part of another association where we just decided to get into a burnout property. This, uh, when you walked into the home, you can see you know, the sky, there are no doors, no windows. We put about 60 grand into this. Now we didn't get scammed on this one. However, we were expecting a return within three months and it took us a little over 15 months just wow. to get our money back and make a return. So we're out about $90,000 and um, we're like, man, uh, what do we do from here? We learned our way up to this point. We have to learn our way out. Yeah. Um, it was just, it was just a mess. So that's kind of like what our intro to real estate. Yeah. That that's a really not fun intro to real estate. You know, to be honest with you, I, I was not expecting the mentor father figure conversation to take that turn. I really thought that you were going to tell me this is a guy that was like, great, helped you out and, and kind of got you to where you are. That sucks, man. But it's unfortunately in every industry has bad people, but I mean, real estate has them, right? We just, there's yeah. folks who will take advantage of folks. And I don't know exactly how old you and your wife are. You look pretty young to me. Uh, $90,000 can't be nothing, you know, to, to anybody really. It's a lot of money, anybody, but when you're younger, it's like, it's gotta be a good chunk. Um, so tell me a little bit about, I'm curious because you know, there's some similarities in my story and your story. When I was working a nine to five job, I was working for uh, a, a automotive, a worldwide automotive supplier, kind of a bigger name. And 
I looked, I did the same thing. I was going to work my way up the ladder and I looked at my boss, his boss and his boss, and they were all miserable. All of them hated their life. And it looked like they were working a hundred hours a week and stressed. And it just was like, God, this is what I'm trying to become. No thanks. You know, and I kind of, I kind of left from that point, but I also got, I was already in real estate and had some success, but I took a detour and trusted somebody and I, I lost $30,000 myself in a deal early on. And and I know the conversations I had with my wife, and and your wife is um, a CPA, I think you said, yeah, by by trade or by education. Uh, my wife's a teacher, so kind of analytical, you know, smart ladies. How, how did the conversation go when you guys lost that thirty thousand? Was there any talk of like, all right, real estate's no good, like let's figure out what we want to do because this we got burned and we want to we want to go away from this? Was there ever a time when you guys were like, forget it, we're out of real estate, I don't want any part of this? To be honest with you, man, um, there was a lot of like nonverbal conversation. We sat there <laughs> quiet for the first few hours. Yeah. Uh, once we started talking, man, you can just it was a lot of uh, the blame game, man. It really uh, was really the first big test of our relationship. Mm. And then once we got out of that blame game, we decided to both take accountability for our actions. because We went into that together. Um, it was more so of a question of, man, where do we go from here? We yeah. knew Going back to our jobs, it would take us years to pay off that debt. So for us, that wasn't even an option. So we just had to decide like, hey, um, what do we need to learn? Who do we need to connect with? What do I need to do in order to get over this hump? So we kind of like took the uh, mindset of embracing the challenge and learning our way out. So what was the process like? And and I I know that I definitely want to get into what you're doing, but I'm really fascinated with this part of business because I'm a huge, I'm convinced that knowledge and information is so readily available. But I think what stops people is A, they never quit their job or they never do anything that puts them in a position to quit their job. And if something goes wrong to the tune of 30 grand, they go, I'm out, I'm back to my nine to five, it's safe. And they run back to their little hole. So I'm wondering what was the risk assessment what and I'm sure that you two with your backgrounds did some risk assessment. There might have been a spreadsheet involved. Like, what did that risk assessment look like after you lost the money? How did you what was the mindset that got you back in the game? And then what kind of risk assessment did you do? What what, what did that conversation look like? Well, um, for us to be transparent with you, you know, um, we had looked at our lives and just said, again, you know, we're in a mess and just going back to the normal. That's going to be that's going to be detrimental for everything, for yeah. our complete vision for ourselves, for our happiness. You know, we don't even think our marriage can last through that. So uh, what we had to do was um, just look at some of our friends. We had a lot of friends that were in the real estate game at that time. I'm so glad we had that circle. because So many people don't have that. And we saw yeah. them still thriving. We saw them doing deals. We saw them completing deals. So for us, we knew real estate was still a good avenue for us. We just so happened to jump too eager and not do our due diligence. So the process for us was just saying like, hey, you know, how much time do we need to take to learning? Because we just got in, they teach you to take so much action. Mm -hmm. And we took that mindset, but we didn't give uh, ourselves enough time to just learn. So we said, hey, for about 90 days, we're just going to take some time and learn. We're already in this debt. We don't need to race up out of it. We need to learn. And right. um, luckily, we communicated that to our friends. They knew where we were at. 
And they were the ones that invited me to a um, actual real estate seminar. And that's where I got introduced to the guy that just so happened to be talking about mobile home investing. Nice, man. That's awesome. That's a, it's a super good mindset. And it's super like, I appreciate the the transparency with, with you and your wife. I don't think that comes as a shock to anybody. I, I would think any marriage would be tested by losing that kind of money that fast. That's huge. I know it was like, for me, I had been flipping houses for a while and had some success. And we, we went outside of real estate and invested like $30,000 with someone who what didn't do the things that he promised to do. Let's, let's just say, leave it at that. But when we, when we lost that money, my wife and I took a beat too. And we were like, like six months, like she, my wife is like six months. We are not doing anything in the business world. We're going to just, we're going to just take a break and think about things for a minute and decide what we're going to do next. So uh, I can appreciate how that's a strain on the marriage for sure. My wife's super conservative and it was not fun for her. And, uh, you know, it, those kind of things can test a marriage. So thanks for that. Um, okay. So let's now, so you decided to get back in. I understand about the burned out property took, took 15 months, much longer than you thought, but at least you didn't lose your money. Obviously that's a good thing. So you went to the seminar about mobile home. Now, what I was talking about earlier was I've interviewed people who buy mobile home parks and, and that not a lot of folks, but a couple people I've never, and I've always been kind of looking for someone who's doing it on an individual you know, like mobile home by mobile home basis. Why did you guys decide that mobile homes was was the way to go as opposed to just getting back into like a fix and flip or something like that of a, of a house, a normal house? Well, um, to, to be honest with you, the fix and flip lane kind of left a bad taste in our mouth. And um, yeah. we uh, really believe the story of we didn't have enough money. So we took on that identity and um, really wasn't too interested in going into the uh, wholesale game. Um, we were under that, again, the negative mindset. There's so many real, uh, wholesalers out there in mm. Phoenix at the time. Yep. We didn't want to just, you know, uh, be another name in the hat. So what interested me about mobile home investing is, first of all, um, this guy was 80 years old. He said he was bringing in somewhere between thirty dollars to $50,000 per month with mobile home investing. I looked at his age. I looked at his physique. <laughs> <laughs> I look at myself, I'm like, okay, I know I'm capable of doing this. But what really interested me outside of his age was he saying that he only used between four to five thousand dollars to create this income. And of course, at the time, you know, we're in so much debt that it really intrigued me. He mentioned, you know, if you guys are starting off in real estate and you're not thinking and you're not talking about mobile home investing. You're actually skipping the boat. There's a huge affordable housing crisis out here. There's a huge demand for these homes and there's not a lot of parks going up. Yeah. So after that education he gave me, you know, I took it home and ran to Samara with it. First, she was a hell no, because when you think about mobile homes, yeah. what do you think? Trailer trash. So yep. she, her first words were, hell no, that's not going to do it. I'm not following you again on this one. <laughs> and um, long, long story short, we did a lot of education and uh, yeah. we found out this this niche is not only, um, you know, the way out, but so many people need us. There's a lot of serving that we can do here. You know, it's funny. There's a lot of things. You can flip almost any thing in the world. Like you could, you could flip paper clips. You know what I mean? Like you can flip cars, you can flip motorcycles, you can flip mobile homes, but it seems like people jump from like, you know, flipping sneakers or, or, or old toys, like vintage toys or magazines up to houses. And it's like, there's something like that's a little bit lower that, that has a little bit smaller barrier to entry and people need them. You're right. I, I talk to these guys who buy mobile home parks, the number one complaint there's not a lot of new mobile home parks going up, like none. So it's this like pool of availability and it's not changing. 
So if that's the fact and that with what we're going through right now, by the way, in the world, right, the pandemic and people in the service industry losing jobs and all this stuff, sometimes people still want to be a homeowner. They don't want to rent houses. They want to own something, but they don't have the money to buy a house, right? So I'm, I'm sold and convinced that this is something that is an overlooked niche and probably because of the stigma. I agree. I grew up in a, in, I grew up in Michigan in an area where, yeah, there was a negative connotation, negative aspect to trailers. And like you said, trailer trash, the same thing, you're, the same reaction your wife had would have been my reaction, right? Until I got a little more educated. So, okay, let's talk about, this is important and I want to really dial into this for a minute. How did you convince her? What did you say to her? And what did you do that made her go, okay, let's do this? Well, um, there wasn't really much that I could say, you know, um, I could have told her, you know, um, anything, Hey, this niche can make us a million dollars tomorrow. Anything. She just wasn't hearing my word <laughs> at that point. That's where our relationship was. So yeah. what I had to do, I had to decide to just do, like you mentioned that second part, yeah. I just took action. And when she saw me taking action and she, you know, we were living in a small place at the time. So she was forced to hear what I was listening to mm-hmm. and she was ear hustling a bit. And she started hearing, she started putting the numbers together. She started hearing uh, what the demand was. She saw me taking so much action and it got to the point where she started asking me more and more questions. It went from hell no to how many mobile home parks are out here in, in Phoenix? You know, uh, what's the demand here? You know, on average, how many mobile homes are selling per month? Um, out in our area. So she just started getting more and more enticed about the opportunity. And by mm-hmm. me just taking action, she eventually came over to uh, my side and was like, hey, I'm ready. Let's go. I love it. I love it. And that's smart. That's so smart. You were in a small area listening to stuff. You didn't have to convince her. Somebody else on the other end of that that mic or that under that speaker was convincing her. That's awesome. So let's talk about it. How, how did you start? Talk about Talk about the first deal and how that went for you. Yeah, so our first deal, really interesting. When we got involved with mobile home investing, um, we weren't necessarily looking at uh, the no money strategies. Um, our main thing was, hey, let's focus on you know passive income. We wanted to basically uh, be able to walk away from our jobs, but not walk away to any money. We, we knew we needed to have cash flow coming in each and every month. So um, our first deal was a, a interesting one. Um, the first deal didn't go really great. You know, uh, we looked to get into a passive income. It ended up turning into a quick fix and flip. So mm-hmm. we got inside of this deal uh, for a little over, I would say it was about $5,000 on this deal. And we got it all ready. You know, we fixed the home up, did some paint, uh, did a little bit of flooring. Uh, I'll never forget. We put the home. We we're about to put the home on the market. I put the for sale sign in the window. I do one last check of the plumbing and uh, I flush the toilet, man. And like feces starts coming up through the toilet and through oh the tub. So, yeah, man, it was, it was very interesting. So we had to pull the home off the market. Um, we had to fix all those things up. And uh, eventually, by the time we put it on the market, we still sold it. Uh, but we only made about $800 on, on that deal. How much we were you move. all in for, by the way, after you fixed the plumbing and everything? What was your total all-in number at that point? We were all in on that home, I want to say, for about uh, nine grand. Okay. Uh, we were in for about nine grand. We only sold it for about 9800 We had okay. some free lot rent in there, so that was really cool. So, again, we only made about $800, but we were happy because – we didn't lose again. So yeah. Any type of positive yeah. number yeah. really would help in our mindset. Nice. Nice. Okay. So, and I should ask you, and I'm sure we'll get into it a little deeper, but 
Is your model then, you said cash flow, is your model to buy these, renovate them, and, and rent them, or is it buy, renovate, sell? So um, initially, our model was to buy them, renovate them, and um, owner finance, because okay. a lot of parks, um, they don't necessarily allow rentals. They want to oh, see okay. um, your name. You know, They want to know who that lien holder is. So if that individual stops paying that, that lot rent, they have someone they could come after for that lot rent. Somebody's yeah. held responsible for it. Sure, so sure. initially, we did that where we would buy the home. We put some, um, what they say, lipstick on a pig. We'd make some very minimal cosmetic repairs. Um, on the home, we make sure all the the big heavy duty items like the roofing, plumbing, electric, um, the sub flooring, all that was good to go. And then we make very minor cosmetic and just resell on payments. Usually we would try to get the majority of our down payment back or at least within six months and we would cash flow the home. We would look at cash flowing and bringing in somewhere between 200 to $500 per month. Okay. Now, more so what we are doing is just um, wholesaling and brokering these homes. We're not necessarily losing, our, I'm sorry, using any of our money. We're leveraging our time and our knowledge to marry a seller and a buyer together. Okay. That sounds that sounds very cool. So uh, talk to me about the first one you did where you're like, yes, this is, this is killer. Now, maybe the first one was it. I get it. You were excited. You made money. What did the next few look like? What was kind of like the purchase price, the renovation, and then your profit at the end of the day? Yeah, man. Um, we got into another home, one of our, our my favorite deals, even to this day. We got this home for $2,500. Um, it didn't need m- much work at all. It was actually in a decent community, a four-star community in a family park. Um, before we even bought the home, we knew there was demand there. So we got the home. We even got free lot rent with this home as well. So we're all in $2,500 for this home. We ended up selling the home for a little over $25,000. Wow. And um, the cool thing is uh, our down payment was that 2,500. Knowing what I know now, I would have charged more, but we were happy just to be in and out and create some uh, really quick yeah. cash flow. On, on that home, we were generating um, a little over $500 per month on that home. And that was our own finance deal. So how many houses do you currently, I mean, how trailers, whatever, mobile homes, how many do you currently own or did you liquidate all of them and just kind of go the wholesale route? Yeah, we didn't liquidate all of them. We still have 15 uh, that we uh, have in our portfolio. Those uh, 15, they cash flow somewhere between 300 up to actually $700 per month. Okay. Uh, and now what we do is really just focusing on wholesaling because a lot of our business, uh, we decided, hey, we can do more business and help more people by actually helping our students out, get them some deals, help them generate some revenue in our biz- in their business and be able to still go out there and serve our clients and the communities. Right. And we're teaching them a lot of the no money strategies when they're coming in too. Nice. So I have a I have a couple of questions and I want to try to dispel a few myths that people might have and some basic questions they might have. So I, I'm a wholesaler by like my my real estate company is primarily wholesaling. That's what we do. We do hundred transactions. I know how we find deals. I understand how that works. What does it look like in the mobile home part or the mobile home community? How are you, and again, I know you have like, you have students and you teach this. So, but let's like, I'm a, I'm a big fan. And I don't know if you probably agree. I, just getting a sense of you is that, you know, you, you give knowledge away and people are attracted, right? And people want to come to you. How do you find these deals? How do you find, I know how to find a house. How do you find mobile homes and trailers that are for sale? Really great question. And uh, we're really big on giving. Um, so what I'll say is um, anyone that's getting involved in mobile home investing, Focus on the low hanging fruit first, because if you start to do some of the more advanced strategies, 
start to lose a lot of time. Um, you get overwhelmed, burn yourself out, and then you just quit. So the low hanging fruit with mobile home investing is one, going out there driving for dollars, just like in real estate with mobile home parks, you can go drive these parks. You'll go and look for homes that have for sale by owner, uh, specifically for sale by the owners in these parks. And a lot of the time, that's all they're doing. So it's going to be an easy way to find motivated sellers. Sometimes they've been struggling to sell that home for two or three months because all they have is that sign in the window. Yeah. Second thing is just networking with park managers. A lot of the time, the park managers, they need help filling vacancies. So if you come and you deliver value to these park managers, let them know, like, hey, I want to bring you long-term tenants for these homes. I want to spruce up the exterior of the home, bring it up to park standard. What can I do to make your life easier? That's the second thing. And then the third thing is just networking with other uh, real estate investors slash real estate uh, realtors. Because a lot of the time, these guys and women are um, really focused on, you know, uh, stick built homes. And they say, hey, I don't have any time for mobile homes or I just don't know what to, to do with them. Right. So what you do is bring them value. Hey, can I, um, you know, uh, pay you for any lead that I actually close on, actually make money sure. on, give you a percentage of that help them out. Everybody wins. Yeah. I mean, I can say from my own purposes, we do a lot of marketing, we do a lot of deals, but when we get a, like a mobile home or a trailer, we just throw the lead out usually. Right. So th that's a great, it's a great point. There's a lot of people who are just so focused on traditional stick built houses that they consider a trailer or a mobile home, a wasted lead. Right. And they don't know what to do with it because no one, no one's buying them. No one they know is buying them. So go, approaching folks and, and, and that's a great way to do it. Are there other methods like Facebook marketplace, any of those places where did the, the, these typically go up there? And and so I, I see you nodding your head. Yeah. So that sounds like maybe Craigslist and some other places. Um, so how you, you, I think I don't want to put words in your mouth, but just doing my research, are, do you typically talk your students or talk to people who are new and tell them, Hey, you can buy, you should be buying like low hanging fruit for in the in the three to eight thousand dollar range, or are you are most people having to like that you can get them, but most people are in the twenty, thirty, forty thousand dollar range. Like where where do most of them land? Like if I if I said I wanted I want to follow your program, I want to get with you, I want you to help me, and I do fifty deals. What would be the average that you would expect me to pay for those fifty deals? To be honest, if you're just coming in, a lot of the time with our students, we're teaching them that wholesale strategy, we're teaching them that no money strategy, even brokering strategies where. You're not using any of your money for these deals. We don't want you using your money, using your time, using that sweat equity. We'd rather you just, hey, focus on volume. Let's focus on generating revenue in your business because we see so many students, they come in and they um, focus so much on fix and flip. They're using their own money. They're using their time. They're in there doing the repairs themselves, not really respecting or protecting their time. So we say the quickest way for you to generate money, generate revenue in your business is to focus on no money strategy. So a lot of the time, our best students out of those 50 deals, I would say 10 of them, they're using their money. Um, the other 40, they are leveraging other students in our community, building a business and really focusing on those no money strategies. So when you talk about wholesaling in with trailers, I know for me, wholesaling is I find a motivated seller, I get it under contract, I sell that contract to a, a, an investor buyer. But it sounds to me like what you're saying is you find a motivated seller, you find someone who wants to buy that place to live in, and you put them together. How do you get, I know how you get paid, but how do you ensure that you get paid? Do you have it under contract with the seller, just like a normal wholesale deal? 
Exactly. So we're getting it under contract with the seller, writing up a whole um, bill of sale, and then we're going out there finding a buyer. Most of the time, we know what our demand is. We know what our buyers want. So what we're doing is when we find our buyer, we're usually locking them in with some type of earnest money deposit. Usually that's somewhere between 20 to 30 percent of whatever the purchase price is. Okay. And what is the, just out of curiosity, for your students, not necessarily you in your particular market, but countrywide, What's the average purchase price? What are people paying for these houses, for these trailers? On, on average, when you're, they're actually buying these, are you, are you talking about the student or the buyer? Uh, the student. What is the purchase That's price amount question. that they're putting with, this, with the seller? What does that cost? Perfect. Yeah, good question. So on average, I would say the average student is paying anywhere from five to $10,000. Really? When they're purchasing these homes. Yeah. Okay. Okay. So how do you find buyers? So uh, one of the best ways to find buyers, honestly, is literally just doing test ads. We teach this hack um, where you're going on Facebook, you're taking some ads, you're taking some some houses, maybe you've driven the community. You're really just testing the market out, seeing what the demand is. You test a double wide, you test a single wide, and just start to build some type of name for yourself, some type of demand and figure out, okay, this market really likes 1980s type double, double wides. 1990s type double wise. They really like single wise. Let me go out and find these type of homes that look like this. Now I know that there's demand and you can just utilize social media, um, like marketplace, post that home up when you have it and you'll have plenty of buyers uh, for yourself. So double wide versus single wide. Is there a rule of thumb? Which ones are better? Which ones are more profitable? Okay. Yeah. So if you're working in a family park, I will say double wides are a lot better just because, you know, naturally, you know, families, they need more space. They um, want a little bit more um, privacy as well, but they really, really need that space. When you're talking two, three kids in a manufactured home, if you're in um, 55 plus communities, a lot of the time, those single wides sell, you know, uh, much higher because uh, from what we've seen, 55 plus, they actually like less space because they don't have. Yeah. The kid is really just a uh, you know mom and pop. How do you know if you're in a uh, uh, family versus single commu- single type community? How do you even know? First of all, usually most of the time you'll see a sign right before you go in to say 55 plus adult park. If you oh. um, don't see a sign when you go in there, you can always one ask the park manager, or you can go right on Google. Usually, the name of the park is outside, right outside of the park. Take mm-hmm. that name, put it in Google. And um, usually it'll pop up and say it. If not, the last resort going on MH Village. MH Village is the largest online marketplace when it comes to um, mobile homes. Um, you can literally type that name in, type in MH Village right right after, and it'll pop up either 55 plus or family. Oh, no kidding. So, okay. So MH Village, how often do you use a, do you use a marketplace like that to buy and sell a lot? Or is it more like in For the sure. weeds? Okay. Yeah, yeah. I would say, especially in the 55 plus parts, um, a lot of them, they're not using social media. So they respect a site like MH Village. Mm-hmm. Um, in those family communities, social media has been a game changer for us. Been re- really, really helpful. A lot of our clients are on social media. So it works okay. out. For That's a good question. What's the average age of the seller that you guys deal with? Because in, in the stick built world, like in the house, housing world, it's older. Like I'm, I'm, I'm usually dealing with folks that are over the age of 60. Is that yeah. similar? No, ours are spans. I would say ours is somewhere between the age of uh, usually 30 all the way up to about 65, okay. 70. 
because okay. we're working with family and 55 plus park. Okay. So I'm going to, now I'm going to try to dive into some of the stuff that I think people will be concerned about, right? Just stigma, stereotype, whatever it is. How do you avoid rough areas? Sometimes these parks are in areas that are not wholesome and it's a little dangerous. How do, how do you know, maybe just common sense, but is there a mechanism, a way to keep yourself out of areas that are rougher than maybe because you're not familiar, you're driving a little outside of your comfort zone. You don't know where you are. How do you know if you're in an area that you should not be in? That's a great question. So number one rule of thumb is when you're in the area, just ask yourself, would you want your grandmother? Would you want your mom living here? If the answer is no, it means get out of Dodge, get up out of there. We actually teach our students to not work in those one and two star communities. Those one and two star communities are usually the communities, the mobile home parks that are in the rougher areas. So we want to uh, protect our time and focus on where the demand is. Three, four, five star communities which are usually in those better areas. Yeah. Yeah. That makes sense. Is there a way to find how many stars the community is like on like MH village or on Google? Is there a way to look and see, like, if you just don't know, is there a way to get a double check? So there is no Google check. They're not going to give you the uh, the four or five star rating. What you're going to do is just have to know some things like one, you know, is the, is there graffiti all around the neighborhood? Is there a bunch of trash all around the neighborhood? Um, You know, uh, do you see a bunch of like police people standing outside, you know, just kind of like wasting time, drinking alcohol, things like that. Like things that you actually aesthetically see. The best communities, what you'll see is they're close to highways. They're close to schools. You know, um, they're clean. You know, the garbage uh, individuals are coming through, picking up trash. Um, The highways are usually, I'm sorry, the roads are usually nice and paved. Um, And um, there's usually sometimes even security right in the front, like right in the gate. Yeah. All right. So the other question would be, with a home, there's a deed. With a mobile home or trailer, is it more like a car where there's like a title? And how does that sale process look? How because real estate investors, people listening to this, if they never bought a mobile home or a trailer, they don't really understand that there's a difference. What does that difference look like and how does it affect the sale and purchase? Yeah, like you said, with real estate, there's more deeds. With uh, mobile homes, they are very similar to cars. It's more so title, bill of sale. Once that uh, seller opens up that title, that title is live and good to go. Um, Once it's live, you're able to go and find a, a buyer. That buyer can literally... Um, go and get that title notarized and boom, they sign it. It's in their name. So just like a car, like you sell it, you put the amount you sold it for on there and then you sign it and you go to the secretary of state or something like, is that how it works? Yeah. You literally go to the DMV and boom. And that's it. Wow. Um, So there's no need to go to a title company or a lawyer or anything like that. No, we work through the um, the DMV. So yeah. uh, um, most of the time, you don't need to go run it through title. Um, you don't have to go run it through an attorney unless you actually want to do that, if you desire to do that, but it, it's not needed. That's why this game, it's all about speed. How it's does the, how does, you said bill of sale. How does that in a purchase agreement differ or does it? Is that what you're talking about? Purchase agreement? Yeah, pretty much. It's very similar. Okay. It's very similar. Yeah. It, does it look similar to a, to a normal real estate purchase agreement? Is there, I'm sure there's different language, but. Yeah. And what looks very similar um, the, for the most part, uh, you know, we're now using, you got to add in VIN numbers, you know, that we're, mm. that we're using now. So you're taking that VIN number from the title and adding that in. Okay. That makes sense. Cool. Is it just out of curiosity, dumb question, but how long is a bill of sale in your world for a trailer? Is it pages of pages? Or is it a one or two no. pager? 
No, ours is actually a one pager. It's okay. really, really easy, really quick. Have you had to defend it? Has anybody ever challenged anything and you've had to use it in court? Okay. It's good no, to I know. Have, nor have our students. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So how do you, okay. If someone listened to this and said, I, I don't know, I like that cash flow model that he was talking about in the beginning. I know you're talking, you're teaching people wholesale. Let's just say you're, you're talking to someone who has money, like they have money. It, it isn't, they're no cash, no money down is not necessarily their thing. And they're looking for cash flow. Would, do you ever recommend doing the owner finance option like that? Like the older gentleman that you, the older guy that you learn from, is that still something you think is worth doing or no? Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. And we will still entertain cash flow deals uh, to the day, you know, um, uh, cash is king, but cash flow is king plus king. You know, we, <laughs> we love the cash flow, man. So if you, if you've got money and the no money strategy doesn't interest you, that's perfectly fine. You can still go out there and find deals all day long for under $10,000 that don't need a bunch of work. You can put those things on those homes on the market and usually get a deposit back where you're going to make your return in six months or less. Sometimes make your return back on the initial deposit and cash flow, 200 to $500 per month. That's after the buyer is paying their lot rent. Right. That's awesome. So what does the conversation look like? Again, I know how it works in my world, but what does the conversation look like with the seller? When you sit down, I want to sell my trailer. I want $6,000 for it. Let's just say we negotiate and that makes, that makes sense. Because when I, when we sell, when we do a wholesale deal in real estate, we can always send them both to the title company at different times. It could be back to back, like they don't have to see each other. It almost can be completely seamless where the seller doesn't really know and they don't really care. They get the money they were supposed to get, whatever. But this is a little different. This is not done at an attorney's office or a title office. How does this, how do you control the flow of people so that there's not like, hey, who are you? What are you doing? What do you mean you're making money on this deal? I thought you were buying it. Like, how do you avoid all that? Yeah, when we're wholesaling, you know, we're not mentioning anyone else. We're saying we are the buyer. You yeah. know, what we what we what we do say is we do have a company that we work with. You know, we are the company, but we have other partners. So we need to run this by them, you know, show them all the pictures and whatnot, mm -hmm. make sure that they want to give us a little time to do that. And um, before we do any of that, we make sure we get that home under contract. Sometimes we'll even go as far as giving them a very small deposit for that title. I'm talking a hundred dollars or less. Sometimes we're giving them um, a dollar just to take possession of the title. And then we usually let them know what the process is. We, we ask them, do you want to stay in the comfort of your home or do you want a little bit more security? Would you like to meet us um, at the bank or um, the DMV where we can get this done? Um, you know, I'll introduce you to my partner. And it's usually very, very uh, painless because we're upfront with them really easy. Yeah. Um, we never necessarily show them, you know, how much we're making on the deal. Uh, we're just making sure they're cashed out. Uh, they're able to see the quote unquote buyer, but we're usually wrapping that transaction up, keeping them separate and wrapping the transaction up with the buyer separate, even though we're in the same location. So if you have a title where you have to write on the back of it, I bought this property for $8,000 and you sign your name. The next, the person you're selling it to in the other side of the transaction sees that, yeah? No. So what we're doing is um, when we're wholesaling, we're actually having two separate bill of sales. So we'll do a bill of sale with that seller. Let's just say yeah. um, the wholesaling it, they want it 5000 boom, bill of sale at 5000 done, good to go. And then I'm selling it to um, buyer uh, for, let's just say he's buying it for 15000 so I've got a separate bill of sale with yes. them. I get that, but the 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 title, the title, yeah, the title is, 
We don't need to put that on the title. Oh, you don't put the, with the purchase price on the title. How no. does it change hands then? How does the title go from the seller? Does it go straight from the seller to the buyer or does it go to the seller to you to the buyer? The, the yeah, title. Seller to us. Yeah, seller to me. So you do yeah. take possession of it though. I mean, yes. for a minute, you take possession yeah. of the, of the property for a minute, right? Yeah. Yeah. And then how, do, okay. So this is all just okay. the mechanics that people, okay, go ahead. So usually with that earnest money, we mentioned with the buyer, they have to have the earnest money deposit. Usually that earnest money deposit we're using to pay off that seller. Okay. So that, that seller is not just going to usually give you the title. Yeah. Away yeah. That yeah. Okay. So we at least know we have a buyer. We locked in that we're using the buyer's money, boom, to pay for yeah. that title essentially. So you're getting $5,000 sometimes for the, for the deposit from the buyer to pay yep. the seller. And they're giving yep. that to you up front before the deal is completely done just as right. a deposit. Okay. Exactly. Do you give them some sort of receipt for that? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. We, we draw up a receipt and everything. So they're squared away. All right. Okay. So that's, that's fixed. Like that's settled. How, how does the, the, the title versus like a deed, like, what do you do? Okay. So that all makes sense. How do you evaluate? How do you do an evaluation Financial, like what is it worth of a of a trailer? If somebody wants to sell you a trailer. Let's just say for let's just say you and your wife move to another city, and you're like, we're going to start this business here. You don't know the city, you don't know the, you don't know the area. How do you know what that's worth when they want eight thousand? How do you like? I know how to run comps for a house, yeah. a stick built. How do you guys run comps? Yeah, first of all, we say that's cool. You're in this other market, but don't start doing transactions until you do some due diligence. You're going to start easily doing due diligence by a few ways. One, you're going to start going finding homes. Let's just say, hey, I'm, I want to look for, you know, prices for homes that are in, in the 80s. They're double wise. They're in three to five star communities. I want to do the same thing for single wise. You can one, you can just start going around asking other mobile home brokers, literally asking them what their data shows. Two, you can talk to park managers. They are first to know like what's going on in the community. So they'll know. Three, you can just start doing some testing yourself. Um Figure out, hey, with this data that I have, let me go test. Let me go take a couple pictures of these homes. Let me do some soft tests, leave an ad up for maybe 12 to 24 hours and just see what that demand is. Once you have all that data, you'll be able to make better purchase decisions. Do you ever have to, like in a wholesale deal, once in a blue moon, it happens, we we sign a contract with a seller, can't find a buyer. We totally missed on who whether or not this was a good area or is the right price. And you have to, you have to walk away from that deal. Do you guys... Do you guys find that happens ever or not so much? Um, we haven't had that happen. And also when it's wholesaling, we pretty much know we're guaranteeing like we have a buyer lined up. We just we're that confident in our numbers. That's okay. why we say um, don't over promise and over uh, under deliver. You know, if you're going to buy it, buy it. If you're not confident whatsoever, you can always do a broker transaction where you're telling them, hey, I want to partner with you. I want to give you what you want for the home if I find a buyer. I'm going to add a fee onto that price, not coming out, coming out of your pocket, but I might need a little bit more time to find a buyer for this. Yeah. If you're not confident, that's where we'll use that broker strategy. Is there like with houses, you start brokering like that and it's illegal, obviously, because you have to be a realtor. Does that apply to real, to trailers? Yeah. So it depends all on what state you're in. You okay. know, some states will allow you to do that. Some states, they'll want you to be licensed. For some states, um, you can be a, you can have a real estate license. Um, as long as it's uh, um, recognized under a uh, dealership, okay. you're good to go. So we always say look into your state. Gotcha. Uh, local for that. Got you. So there's no like online, um, you know, Redfin or whatever for values of 
of, of trailers. You just have to kind of do your due diligence. You can always go on MH Village. You can always check MH Village, put in your zip code, see, you know, what's for sale. A lot of the time, the homes on MH Village are solid. Uh, they don't need much work. Usually that's more so the retail space. Yep. So that's always a good rule of thumb. Check out MH Village. What about, um, I understand the wholesale side of it, and I understand why you teach it, because it's no money and it's a little bit safer. Is there, if you have money, okay, like let's say you, you, uh, you have the money if you wanted to do something different with this. Why don't you and your wife specifically, why don't, why not buy the house, buy them outright and then like retail sell them? You talked about retail, which is, you kind of are because you're advertising them. Is there something else you could do? Like if you took possession and said, I don't care if I hold on to this for two months before I sell it, could you make more? Or you know, I'm almost wondering if you could, like you're, you're looking for the end buyer the way you would look for them anyway, right? Yeah, for the most part, you know, we will buy homes. Let's just say we got a home. We know we can sell it for $40,000 and we've done this before. Yeah, we will go cash them out. We always say just starting off with yeah, wholesaling. Yeah. As you advance up and be a more seasoned investor, yep. just make smart money moves. We yep. bought a home for $2,000, held on to it for two months and sold it for $40,000 plus. Um, you know, we were just patient. We bought homes for $10,000 and sold them for $25,000 after 60 days. So. Um, it's all case by case scenario, yep. but yeah, we will go in and do deals like that. Is there the any kind of seasoning issues with trailers? In other words, like you, you buy them like Fannie Mae or somebody, I don't think so, but where you can't sell them for 60 or 90 days, is there any sort of restrictions like that? Or can you buy and sell it the next day? No problem. Yeah. yeah. Um, I've seen, I haven't seen any issues unless you're out in a state like California okay. where mobile home prices, depending on you on um, where you are can tend to be a little bit higher. Mm -hmm. So now when you are selling, especially in the retail market, you're waiting for your buyer to get approved for financing that could take 60, 90, 120 days. Yeah. So in that case, in areas like that, it's a little bit different. Gotcha. Are the people that you're selling to typically buying with cash or are they financing $20,000? Yeah, a lot of the people that we work with, they are buying for cash. However, there's a lot of investors out there. A lot of our students, when they are financing for twenty, thirty thousand dollars, they are coming through getting financing. Some of them are even going through places like Twenty First Mortgage, you know, taking out a loan with them uh, to pay you off. Okay, gotcha. And and does that process take as long as a normal mortgage, 30, 45 days? Exactly, thirty, forty-five days, depending on the paperwork how fast I can get it all. Done. Does that get dicey when you're wholesaling in that situation that the 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 person who's the company who's financing 21st mortgage or whatever doesn't recognize you as having control of that property? Um not necessarily. Um you know what we've been able to do is just communicate what's going on with the uh with the seller, just let them know hey, we're getting some things financed our partner. We always recognize our partner, getting some things going to make sure they're cashed out. If anything 21st mortgage will take the extra step to assess the value of their home themselves. So they don't, they have their own kind of criteria that's yeah. a little bit than ours. Okay. Gotcha. How, so when you, when you're finding like, uh, uh, when you, if you do go the route or if somebody want to go the route of owner finance, you're, you're, you're looking for them. I would assume the same way anyone looks for someone who wants to own or finance a house is there's no, but there's no ML. Do you put these on the MLS? I guess that's the other question. I suppose trailers are on the MLS. Can, do you ever do sure. that? There are some trailers on the MLS. Like if you want to um, partner with a realtor, you know, you can do that. We've seen investors do that. We typically don't. However, we have seen um, homes on their MLS. Again, if you're looking to stay in that retail market, that is an option for you. Yeah. Okay. 
Um, man, still so many questions for you. So when you're doing, okay, so when you're buying these, I see trailers, because I've looked just out of curiosity, like on Facebook Marketplace and Craigslist, I see a lot of stuff for 20, 30, 40, $80,000 trailers. Like, do you just completely steer clear of that and you stay in that in that low-hanging fruit or will you look at those two? We used to, but then we uh, figured out we were leaving hundreds of thousands of dollars on the table by um, just, you know, not looking at the the, the retail market. Sometimes, you know, you might be able to find that $50,000 manufactured home that you can go and purchase for $30,000. You know, yeah. why not do that? Yeah. Those opportunities are available all day long and then go around and make 20 grand in 30 days or 60 days. They won't sell as fast as some of that low hanging fruit, but nonetheless, there's a lot of opportunity out there. Yeah. Are you, are you guys doing any kind of direct mail or Google pay-per-click or yeah. any of that kind of stuff? Yeah. Direct mail is highly, highly effective. Um, in, in mobile home parks, I will say it takes um, time to get it all set up, make sure all of your systems and processes are right with that. Yeah. Of course, Google is really great. Any investor, uh, regardless of, especially if you're in the service industry, regardless of what you're doing, even outside of real estate, you should definitely be utilizing all of the tools Google has to offer. Yeah, totally agree. Is there anything that we didn't cover that people really should know when they get into mobile home investing? Yeah, I will say, you know, um, you know, we get a lot of questions. I think one of the biggest questions that we get is, wait, I'm an investor. Don't mobile homes depreciate in value? I think you you probably heard of that. Um, we always say, yes, manufactured homes are like vehicles. They will, they do depreciate in value. However, because there's not a lot of manufactured mobile home parks being built, and there's so many people, like you mentioned earlier, going through this pandemic, they need affordable housing. Some of them can't even afford to move into a single family home. Mm-hmm. So they need these homes. The value, the depreciation rate of a mobile home, it will drop and hold its value to a certain point. You'll even see it that's slightly even increased because there's so much demand. Again, the affordable housing crisis is so high that we can find older homes. We've sold um, a 1972 double wide manufactured home for a little over $30,000 because the demand was so high, even though it quote unquote depreciated in value. Do you, how old, what price or not price range, what age range do you find to be kind of the sweet spot? Are are you buying a lot of stuff from the seventies and eighties or is it mostly newer stuff? We will for the seventies. We say anything post 1975, um, we will buy those, but I think the sweet spot with manufactured homes is right in the 80s to the 90s. Usually, um, you know, homes in the 2000s are okay as well. They're going to start to get a little bit more pricey, early 2000s, all the way up to like the two, 2010s. Yeah. Okay. That makes sense. Awesome. Man, I this has been very, very cool. I, man, I really appreciate you you going through this. I've asked you a lot of direct questions, and I, I realize that you have a program and folks that you help out, and, and you weren't dodging anything, so I appreciate that. Uh, I think this well, is very cool, and I think – I don't know what you think, but in my opinion, we're about to go through something in our country in terms of the housing market and, and housing prices and – there's a lot of forbearances out there. Folks, unfortunately, lost their job in 2020, or they're just not making the money they thought they were going to make. And and this isn't this is a, a realistic thing that that this this niche could end up really exploding over the next 12 to 18 months. So, um, work. How can people find out more about you about investing in trailer parks? They can obviously go to your uh, your YouTube channel, which I was on before we got on here, called Trailer Cash 
Academy, not to be mistaken with anything else. Trailer Cash Academy. It's a great YouTube channel. These guys are awesome. Uh, you and your wife, absolutely, Samira. Off, uh, very, very cool. Uh, you mentioned HGTV. I was going to say, you guys look like you could absolutely be on HGTV. You're a good-looking couple. A lot of energy, a lot of fun, very smart. It's fun to watch. It, it was very uh, addicting watching your videos on YouTube. I just kept watching and watching. Like, These guys are great. So I was looking forward to this. You guys are awesome, and i just so happy for your success. But how can people get a hold of you? Thank you so much. Again, like you mentioned, we got a ton of free videos, trainings, testimonials all on youtube.com backslash trailer cash academy. Or you can always go on Instagram. Our personal handle is I am J Harvey. I, I'm sorry, I'm J Harvey. Uh, J A Y H A R V E Y. I've uh, got a lot of personal development, mobile home information, all types of stuff on there, all types of gems for you guys. That's awesome. Go check it out, guys. These these two are a lot of fun, and they they know their stuff. And uh, you know, I know folks that have struggled a little bit in real estate, maybe had some bad deals, and they're a little gun shy. This is an absolute great opportunity for you to get back in the game and stay in this niche forever. Frankly, it's it's great. Um, but like you you said, you guys had a couple of deals that didn't go the way you wanted, and if someone would have tried to sell you on buying a $150,000 fix and flip, my guess is you would have said no. So uh, for sure, your wife would have said no, but you guys might have said no. So this is just a great, a great niche to look into uh, as we're all trying to figure out how do we get more deals? How do we make more money? How do we grow our business? This is an absolute, if, if not something you, you switch to, something to add if you're already a seasoned investor and you're looking for other opportunities is another great way to go. So thanks, man. I, I really appreciate your time, uh, Jay. I, I, I really enjoy talking to you. I hope to maybe connect back with you and your wife and see how things are going in a year and maybe just kind of do this again. So thanks for doing this. Absolutely. Thank you for having me. All right, man. Thanks. That was a fun interview. I really enjoyed talking to Jay. He is a good dude and he's doing something in a niche that I've always been curious why more people don't do it. I know there might be a stigma around trailers and, and mobile homes, but the fact of the matter is, like I said uh, during the show, you can flip anything. You can flip cars, motorcycles, you can flip baseball cards. Like why people skip over trailers and mobile homes to go straight to stick built when the, the cost and the investment and the risk is so much higher. I've always wondered why people don't do more of the, of the trailer investing as an entry to maybe something else they want to do in multifamily or whatever bigger stuff. Or you know, just as, as an add-on to the business they already run, right? If I, you know, if I told you you're, you're running a seven-figure house flipping and wholesaling business and you can bolt on this, you know, high six-figure, maybe low seven-figure or beyond addition that would basically use some of the same skill set that you already have and the knowledge that you already have, why would you not do it? So uh, I think it's a, a cool option and a cool niche. So uh, hopefully you guys agree. Go check them out on YouTube because they are a really smart couple, really fun to watch. They have a great channel and uh, I think you could get a lot out of it. So go check that out. And until next time, guys, get out there and do something. I don't care what it is, but take action that moves you forward because tomorrow you're gonna to be a day older whether you took that action or not. And you wanna feel bad about yourself or do you wanna feel good that you started down that road? Go start down the road, get it done. Make today the best day. We'll talk to you next time. Okay, you're still there. You're still listening. That's awesome and I really appreciate that. Now, hopefully it wasn't an accident. Hopefully you didn't leave the room and I'm just talking to an empty room right now. But assuming you're still there, I want to do something really, really cool for you. For a limited time, I want to give you a free digital download of my book, the entire book, 
Level Jumping. If you're a listener to the show, you know it just came out and it really details how I took my business from being like one where I was just doing a few deals a month, maybe one or two deals a month, to doing over 10 and sometimes 15 deals a month and over 100 a year. And I went from doing very little profit to over a million dollars in profit. And I made that transformation in a 12-month period. And this book talks about what I did, the steps I took to transform my business and how you can too. So grab a free digital download and you can get that by texting the words just start as two words now just start to the number 55444 so text just start to 55444 I will send you a free digital download of my book it's the complete book there's nothing held back and that'll be completely yours just for making it to the end of the show and listening to me and I really really appreciate it guys so I want to do something nice for you I do this every once in a while at the end of shows and if you listen to the very end every once in a while I do a giveaway like this so hopefully you enjoy that go grab a free copy I hope you read it I hope you love it reach out let me know what you think all right guys talk to you next time